Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Android Faithful, your weekly source for the latest news, hardware, and apps in the wide, beautiful world of Android. Dance into the theme song as always. I'm Huynh Nguyen Dao. I think I'm the next in order. I'm Chase Dow. And I'm Ron Richards. <laughs> and I'm Michelle Ramon. <laughs> we, did, we didn't talk about that part in the pre-show, like what the order no. was. We're just rolling. We're just rolling. I just knew We're I went rolling. first, yeah. so that was easy for me. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome back. everybody. We are hey. back. Yeah. Good to be we back got- another week. We got, we're jammed too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking through this rundown, just a little behind the scenes. We've got some organizational stuff that we're working on around the show in the, you know, b- behind closed doors, also known as Trello. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's just, an, it's, it's been an interesting system because we're able to just like throw all the stuff in there throughout the week. And uh, I'm looking at a rundown now, and it is packed. I'm wondering if it's, it's like a wall. Like it feels of, more packed than it, normal, but maybe maybe the stories are grouped together. We're in so that like post CES, pre Mobile World Congress, like lots of leaks, lots of rumors, right? Lots of stuff swirling, kind of in the world. Um, but like not I'm sorry, y'all. But also, but but also <laughs> yeah. like nothing major and like earth shattering, right? I mean, I, I guess I, presumably the entire tech world is obsessed with the dumb things on people's faces while they're driving their Teslas, but um, uh, from, from across. <laughs> the street but we won't talk about that um no, how, how everybody seems show. to have forgotten about google glass and all the jokes they made at our expense <laughs> i mean i mean really like a lot of the same people who are rah rah were once like ew ew right it's the same it's the same people right <laughs> exactly beautiful yeah i'm yeah. sure i'm sure there's no you know nobody if you go back to their twitter 10 years ago they weren't making fun of glass holes or anything like that right yeah <laughs> while they're wearing their ski yes handles. yeah yes, i'm just exactly. curious i know it's the android faithful but are any of you actually interested or going to go try out the vision pro i'd like to try oh, 100%. it out oh i totally want to try it <laughs> okay. i would totally try it I might, I might try it out this weekend and i'll report back yeah to please do no cool. i i just haven't i haven't had the inclination to go to an apple store to try it or yeah you know and i also think anybody spending thirty five hundred dollars on that thing is just like geez um yeah but <laughs> that's a lot of dough to drop on any but i definitely want to try it i mean computer. i mean michelle you've been on the show recently we've been talking about the infinite canvas and like the xr displays and things like that so i want to yeah. i want to see what they're doing with it um i definitely want to try it i'm not going to buy one though so yeah oh yeah especially because the integration with android devices like non-existent shocking <laughs> there there's our android spin on, 
<laughs> on the Apple Face computer. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, before we get started, we want to thank everybody in the last week who's gone over to patreon.com slash Android Faithful and showed your support. Um, I know I got a little, I was sleep deprived last week and got a little wacky talking about it, but uh, a bunch of you did pull the trigger and sign up. So we want to thank you all um, and remind you yeah. that you can sign up at Patreon. You can get an ad free version of the audio podcast of this podcast, no ads in your feed. Um, you get access to our exclusive Discord. Um, and if you sign up at 20 bucks a month, you get a t shirt, which a bunch of people I've seen, I get little notices when they're shipping out. Um, mm-hmm. So people like, like to hear. So we appreciate everybody's support uh, for the show. So head over to. And you get shout outs and you yep. get exclusive content, and you which get, will, is totally applicable today. And you get, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You get to vote on what we, on stuff that we talk about later in the show. We're going to do the patron news pick. And this week you're getting some patron bonus content um, because not to not to bury um, bury the lead. I don't know what the, I'm getting a cold. But uh, later in the show we have an awesome interview uh, with someone from ASUS about the ROG Phone Eight, um, and we had to cut it down for time this week because we can't fit the whole thing and because it's such a great conversation. But if you're on Patreon, you can watch the whole dang interview. All it's like 25 minutes uh, uh, of, of video is going to be up there on Patreon right after the show tonight. So check that out. Oh yeah, check it mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Exclusive. All right. All right. Well, should we get to all of this news that Michelle wrote this week? <laughs> so much. <laughs> Why don't we just start with you, Michelle, Mr. Breaking News All Over the Place? Sure. Why not? I mean, it is that time of the year. We're in February. And if you remember, last February is when Google released the first developer preview of Android 14. And then the year before that, I think it was also February. So, you know, we're, it could be upon us any moment now. Google could mm-hmm. be releasing Android 15 Developer Preview 1 <sighs> this week or next week. Who knows? Too soon. Oh, so, so right. um, Too soon. <laughs> too soon, yeah. So um, because of the way like Android development works, there's also simultaneously this QPR beta program that's ongoing. And a lot of those features that you see in these QPR releases are actually in development for Android 15 rather than the QPR releases because uh, Google tends to hold off on a lot of major features for the next release instead of like the minor releases, which makes sense. So while digging through these QPR beta releases, I found potentially three somewhat major changes that could be coming in Android 15. The first one is this feature that allows you to share media audio to nearby devices. So um, those of you who are familiar with the new Bluetooth LE audio standard that was announced a couple of years ago, Google has been working on adding support for that into Android since Android 13. Um, But there's also this newer feature that the Bluetooth special interest group announced that built on top of LE Audio. It's called AuraCast. And this is basically a one-to-many broadcast feature that allows you to basically have one source device send out like um, a signal to any Bluetooth LE Audio device nearby. And you're basically broadcasting your audio to many, many devices, not just like one device, but two devices you can have three, four, five, many, many devices connected to a single broadcast source. And Google is preparing to add support for this feature or better support for this feature in Android 15 by adding a dedicated page and settings to connect to and also start an audio stream from your device. Um, right now, Bluetooth LE Audio, I think, is not fully enabled on the Pixel series. I think Google's probably waiting until potentially they release a pair of Bluetooth LE Audio enabled Pixel Buds. Uh, we don't have any details on that, if that's act- ever happening. But um, it looks like Google's gearing up to make LE Audio and Aracast a more prominent feature in Android 15. Nice. And then another change that they're looking to do is related to making apps take 
uh, more of your available screen space. So for a long time, apps have had the option to uh, fill up your entire screen if they wanted to. So like you have your status bar at the, at the top and your navigation bar at the bottom, and it's up to apps whether or not they want to draw content underneath those bars. And it's there's a reason like Google hasn't enforced this on app developers, and it's because um, you have to take some special consideration into account because you might have some overlap between the navigation bar and a certain button. So like developers have ways to work around that, of course, but that's kind of the reason why it hasn't been forced onto apps at the moment. But it looks like that might be changing in the future because I spotted this compatibility change in the QPR beta that says that Google wants to enforce edge-to-edge mode on on applications that target Android 15 or later. Right now, that compatibility mode isn't enabled on apps that target Android 15. But if Google were to choose to enable this, then it's possible that, you know, this is something that Google could be forcing on developers down the road. And I, I, I see Win is like wincing right now. I really <laughs> this particular change. Sorry, I was muted to, to I, I, I don't like it. Um, and I, I, I can't, it, it's hard to go into details on why I don't like it. And I, I think, uh, very recently my current job, um, I had to do some work with like full screen and, and it's, it, it's difficult because, uh, number one, yeah, traditionally when you have content that draws behind the bars, behind the status bar, behind the navigation bar, there's like usually a reason, usually it's because it's media, right? Or, you know, you want an immersive experience. And I just don't think every app needs to be an immersive experience. And the problem is if you don't handle those situations correctly, you might have important parts of the screen that you don't anticipate as, or your, your designer might anticipate like, you know, being occluded by these like UI elements. So... It's 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 weird because I feel like ever since immersive mode came into being, it's been a thing that Google has been really pushing on us. But I, it's just one of those things that I think a, a lot of developers don't find the need for, and so they don't they don't you know take it into account because it's, it's not it's as of right now it's optional and it's not really again it, it depends on what your app is. Like if I'm like a bank app, do I need to be in immersive mode? No. But if the I'm a most media immersive app, bank app, <laughs> right? You really got to see your whole statement just wrap around, buddy. And so so that's kind of like my thing is like. I just think this is, I, I get why they're doing it because in general, the APIs around immersive mode are extremely confusing and extremely hard to deal with. So that also discourages people from doing that. So I think for, you know, in, in this like, you know, 2024 of like, you know, wraparounds where, where everybody's flagship phones are like wraparound screens and all kinds of crap like that, this kind of enhances those experiences. But I just, I, I, why? Why it's, now I'm going to have to worry about bugs coming in where, oh, this button's under like the, the dang bar. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't it, under the dang bar like two versions ago. But is it, I, I don't like is it. Is it a step towards it. consistency? No. It, no? No. I don't, I, I mean, I, I guess, I guess yes, in that it'll force developers to do it, but I, I just don't in the see wrong, the It's point. a step toward consistency in the wrong direction, it sounds like. In the wrong direction. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see it. But yes, when Google breaks our stuff, we have to fix it. So, in that case, yes. Yeah. I just don't like it. Wild. Well, if this is any indication, Wild. Android 15 is going to be a roller coaster, everybody. So buckle up. Uh. <laughs> well, in more positive news, there's one feature that I think you probably don't have an objection to. It's the um, support for built-in app archiving. So if you're familiar, uh, I think earlier last year, 
Google Play rolled out an automatic app archiving feature that uh, takes effect if you're low on storage. Google Play will basically swap the app with a stripped-down version of the APK that uh, retains your data, but basically heavily reduces the size of the application installed on your device so that um, you don't have to fully uninstall it and then reinstall it later on and then sign into your app all over again. You can just archive it, come back to it when you actually need it. And uh, the only issue with the way it was implemented before was that it was only part of the Google Play Store itself. It was not built into the OS. You couldn't go into the settings um, of on your phone and then archive the app from there. You had to do it from Google Play, and you couldn't do it manually. You could only have it automatically apply whenever you're low on storage. But Android 15 looks to be building support for this feature right into the OS so that you can go into settings and manually archive an app if you want to. And also, it looks to be integrating with the existing unused apps feature, which um, removes some permissions, clears the cache and other stuff after three months or more whenever you haven't used an app for a while. And it looks to be integrating with that so that it'll also archive the app when you haven't used an app for a certain amount of time. Okay, cool. I like app archiving. Sure. That I'm okay <laughs> That's with. That's all I got to say. About. That I'm totally okay with. <laughs> <laughs> so far, Android 15 shaping up to be, I don't know, it still feels, I, I suppose, very early. We're, we're kind of outside of the realm of of these big number releases being major, you know, ground shaking yeah. uh, things. So it's always these little things, you know, these little tweaks and everything. So tweakies, tweakies. That's the direction we're headed. Not the case for Amazon, though. Amazon likes its ground shaking news. It's it's or rumors. It's, yeah, totally. Like, so I, I was kind of thinking about this, and my husband and I were talking about this news a little bit. So you know, like how sometimes you like you have a show and it leads off on a cliffhanger, and you are waiting for the next season. It's the best ki- the best kind of show there is. If you ask the me. best kind yeah, of show there yeah, is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you know because you cannot hide anything from the internet anymore, you get like a casting call like news, and yep. you find out like oh that character that died, the actor just came back and did like you know several hours of filming you're like huh i wonder if that means something well amazon kind of did their own little like casting call kind of like spoiler thing uh last week where basically they posted a job listing for uh fire tv and that listing by the way is down now but you can find it via wayback machine but basically the, the long and short of it is this job interview basically tipped amazon's hand that they are moving the fire tv client away from android and to native slash rust slash react native so basically through a job posting, I, I, I feel like someone did not clear this, but through a job posting, we pretty much have it confirmed that the direction that they're going and that what they're working to is moving away from Android for Fire TV. So yes, this is this is reportedly the project uh, Vega OS, uh, which we've heard some like, you know, kind of rumors about, but I don't know, it feels kind of substantiated if they're hiring people for it. So and, and this there was, you go. And, and this was basically similar to the stuff that Yanko Rodiger's when we had him on yeah. late last yeah. year, yeah. he saw a job listing. It was like that sort of mm-hmm. thing that triggered this. So like, they've got to get people to work on the stuff, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, um, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum to be in, yeah. right? If you yeah. if you're working for a company and you're trying to do anything under, you know, uh, behind the scenes, you know, in secret, and yet you still have the need to hire the people with the right experience, yeah. and so you need to put the word out in yeah. a way that doesn't entirely 
you know, lift the veil. And you need to be specific about what kind yeah. of people you need, right? Right, so exactly. You can't get away from it. And also, it's, I assume it's harder to hire if you're not like a little bit transparent about the work you're doing. I mean, they were they were completely transparent. Yeah, here. very they, much They so. want to hire someone that, quote, implement and deliver features on the Fire TV client code base as it transitions from FOS, Fire OS, slash Android to native Rust and React native. Like, well, I think they would have been fine if they, it. if they didn't say as we transition from. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, they, been okay. As we secretly transition <laughs> from. You know. uh, they forgot to put the word secret in there, right. and then we would have all ignored it. I just imagine like someone in marketing, like, you know, got an email about this, and then they went over to engineering, like, hey, y'all, just wait a second. Just who posted that who thing? Bill? Did you post this? It's like, yeah, you told us we need people. Yeah. It's always Carol and HR. <laughs> it's always Carol and HR. It's oh, Carol. Carol. So. Look, Carol. Carol deserves a break, okay? <laughs> Carol is overloaded. Yeah. Let's take it so, easy on Carol. <laughs> when I when I posted about this news, someone brought up a good point that um, that the job listing only mentions Fire TV transitioning away. It doesn't confirm that Fire OS in general is going away. So, um, like, I, it's hard for me to imagine Amazon ditching Android entirely, especially for its tablets, because, like, if they were to develop an entirely new operating system just for their tablets, they would lose out on so many applications that are available right. on mm -hmm. Android right now for the Fire tablets. Mm -hmm. But doing it for their TVs makes more sense, because there's not that many applications that you need yeah. to have ported over to a TV, and Amazon has enough market yeah. share to get the dozens of developers to port their applications over. Yeah, it's a good point. Yep. Maybe it is just the TV. Well, um, we'll see. We know something's coming. I mean, honestly, like one of the things that got kind of swept under the rug coming out of CES was I was expecting a big showing from Amazon in the TV space during CES that didn't happen. Right. And so I know, you know, Yanko had us, you know, kind of, I, I, I subscribe to like 2024 is going to be big for Amazon and TV. And I'm still waiting for that to come to fruition, I guess. So <laughs> this is it though. Yeah. It's just jobless. This is why it. it's big. Cause they're going <laughs> to, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Um, you know, what's going to be big in 2024 circle to search. seems like oh, every, yeah. uh, every week now we're, we're talking about this in some way, shape or form. Why are we talking about it this week? Because it officially launched for pixel devices. You could already kind of get it on, uh, the new Samsung devices. And now the pixel eight and the pixel eight pro, Got their little secret updates, their silent updates that enables uh, Circle to Search. I've used it a couple of times, and i got to say it did exactly what I needed it to do. I was watching a video. Um, no, sorry. I was on Facebook Marketplace, and someone was selling a boom mic that I'm considering buying. But he was also selling it with this other, like, this, like, stand for it that, that looked... Like it didn't ship with the mic, but it had no information as far as what the stand was. And so I used Circle to Search and it identified the stand. Like Beautiful. it was able, able to figure it out. So cool. it, was, it was awesome. It's like, oh, wow, that was kind of magical. But Michelle, you wrote about this. You said that um, it can do some things that we weren't shown uh, in advance that it could do. What are those things? Well, it's just a nifty way to enhance the way you use Circle to Search. So if you're if you try to search something that's hidden behind the search bar, um, if you didn't know, you can actually fling the search bar to the other side of the screen. You can move it from the bottom to the top to get it out of the way. And also, if you're trying to search something that's like really small, you can actually 
take two fingers and pinch in and zoom or zoom out because it's literally taking a screenshot that you can actually right. just pan around. That's handy. this is why they want this is why they want 100% full screen on all apps, y'all, so they can just yeah. so people can just fling around the screen search bar. I mean, you, you say that abandon. jokingly, but like, seems no, like I'm, it, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. actually kind of thinking that's yeah. like serious there. It's like a long term, like, hey, this will work for these super integrated, highly immersive features that we want to do. Um, but that's being said, I'm not criticizing Circle to Search at all. I think actually, Circle to Search is probably the most interesting. And kind of like it, you know, there's, there's very few things these days that surprise us with like mobile phones and it, trying to find a, a feature that is both simple, easy to access is not too hard to teach like any range of like smartphone users. And that's actually useful is yeah, it delivers really, on its promise, delivers on its promise. It's really hard to find in 2024. Yeah. And dang, y'all, I think they kind of hit it in the park with just something like their little surge. It's simple, but it works. And it's innovative. Well, and it's I, a new I interface, think what, right? Yeah. Yeah. What I think is interesting about it is as we have talked on previous episodes, it's not like this functionality didn't exist before. Exactly. Like we could do it before, yeah. but there's something about narrowing in in such mm-hmm. a um, an approachable way. You know, yeah. like like if I had an image on my phone, I could I could do a lens capture of this and say, you know, I want this. But if there are other things on the screen, there were ways for it to get confused and everything like that. With circle circle to search, it's basically the same thing, except you're saying crop out everything outside of this area, zero in on it, and yeah. yeah. And that and and the fact that you can do it with your finger and you don't have to like draw a crop window, you know, like take grab the brackets and everything. You just kind of scribble it. And so it makes it approachable and and it works. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great feature. It's a great extension of a feature. Thank God mm-hmm. Samsung gave it to us. <laughs> Thank you, Samsung, for everything <laughs> that we have on Android. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. I feel um, I feel like we need a graphic or a bumper about find my device. Like we need some sort of like or a sign. It has been X number of days since we've checked in on Find My Device. Uh, Michelle, what's, <laughs> yeah, the, like a, what's the latest on that? <laughs> uh, so basically, the latest is that we're still waiting. We still have to wait, <laughs> and the reason is because um, Google and Apple are both waiting on each other uh. before they can roll out respectively their features. So Google is waiting on Apple to roll out unwanted tracker detection on iOS. And uh, Apple is waiting on this specification for unwanted tracker detection to be finalized and published by the um, standards body that handles these certifications you know, on the web. And they're working with many other companies to do so. And basically, one of the directors who is like managing this mailing list for this specification announced over the weekend, or I think it was on Friday they announced it, that um, they're, they closed the call for feedback and they're going to conduct a review of the charter at their next meeting. And then they're going to send this uh, charter to the community for more review. Then they're going to do another final review on the charter. And then if all that goes well, the absolute earliest that the specification can be put into the next charter would be March 16th. And if this sounds really bureaucratic, that's because it is. That's because there's a lot of companies involved. There's a lot of processes that need to be followed. There's a lot of I's that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed before you can get a standard into this um, online standards body. And unfortunately, that means Android fans, you have to wait for the rollout of the Find My Device Network because Google has already committed to not rolling that out until Apple rolls out unwanted tracker detection on iOS and Apple is waiting until this specification is finalized before they roll it out. 
And even when the specification is finalized, we don't know if Apple is already like has an implementation ready or if they're going to begin development on it. Like we don't know what that timeline is going to be. So it could be maybe April when all this starts rolling out, or it could be the end of this year. Like we have honestly no idea. Or it could be never. I'm just saying. Sure seems like it. In a sea of of possibilities, it's not a 0% chance of happening. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope it happens. Okay. So I, do, we, I think it'll happen at some point. Right? I mean, they, they're yeah, putting too much work it into be. it. But, Michelle, yeah, I just yeah. don't know if it's going to happen as fast as you want it to. I'm about to start <laughs> finding a castle balcony. Y'all start singing, Someday My Prince Will Come, or Someday My Find My Network, will, My Device Will you. Come. Y'all. It's the new, it's the new OnePlus marketing. Right? So, <laughs> all right. Um, well, cool. Well, to round out the news, like we mentioned at the top of the show, if you are a supporter of us over our Patreon at patreon.com slash Faithful, you can help us uh, pick uh, what we're talking about tonight. Uh, every week on Monday, we offer up three stories that we're considering to include in the show and let the patrons vote on it. Uh, this week, I got to tell you, everybody, very disappointed in you, very disappointed in the way this one went um, because we had three very compelling stories to discuss um, and I need to see them. So if we can do that, great. So uh, the story that I was rooting for came in last, everybody, and that was the phone maker behind Cat and Motorola's rugged lineups has shut down. Um, Only 13% of our patrons were interested in rugged phones, which was heartbreaking to me. Um, Rugged phones just aren't what they used to be, Ron. Exactly. exactly. They used to be be all the rage, and now they're not. Exactly. Um, 30% of you voted for Google Photos set to get a new My Week feature, thanks to an APK teardown. But the winning story that we're about to discuss right now is the fact that Chromecast with Google TV is now serving full-screen auto-playing ads with 56% of you uh, wanting to discuss that. So what's the deal here? Uh, basically, autoplaying ads have started uh, being served to Chromecast with Google TV home screens. Um, the ad that was noticed was an ad for chicken tender wraps from Carl's Jr., um, which I don't have Carl's Jr.'s here in New York, so I probably didn't see this. That was very probably regionally targeted. Um, prior to this, any ads were usually limited to digital content. Um, and of course, now people aren't happy with the product placement. Um, so I guess the question is, how do you like them chicken wraps? Um, mm. I'm so like hungry right tenders? now. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of liking it right now. I'm yeah. looking at it this looks and I'm good. like, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Mm. I don't have any Carl's Jr.'s around here either. So just. <laughs> I mean, it's probably roll. gross, but it looks good. I mean, I, what, okay, let me ask you. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm going to like, we'll, we'll do a little bit. I'm feeling a little salty. I have a, I have my Google TV, Chromecast with Google, whatever the hell it's called, you know, whatever. I see sponsored content in that rotation in the form of media suggestions all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what is the difference between a Disney plus or a HBO max or whomever buying that slot to promote something you can watch on it with Carl's jr. Buying that slot to show you about chicken tenders. Right. And now I, I know the answer is at least they're promoting content that I can watch with that device versus it's just a commercial for um, for chicken tenders. But Google's whole revenue is based off ads. Like, why is this a surprise? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a surprise as more of just annoying because a lot of people, when they want to turn on the TV, they want to just quickly get to the app they want to launch yeah. to watch whatever they want to watch. Right. And like these full screen ads, you got to like press the button down to go down and then like readjust your muscle memory basically, or your like your memory of where to go for launching your content. 
Hold on, hold on. Stop no, talking, really, Michelle. This not, looks re- not... Just stop talking. This looks really delicious. <laughs> well, hang on a second. They're two for six dollars. Nobody told me that. <laughs> I'm uh, starving. I, I don't know why so we're podcasting hungry, right now. I just need to go get these and dip them in that sauce. Because the, because the ad is showing just in the rotation in the rotation of it. So if I go down, if I click down again, I just will stop the ad from running. Right? It, it's 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 not like non skippable. Right? I honestly have no problem with this. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm someone who is generally annoyed at the amount of streaming services anyway and how th- that that whole other that like happens. segment of the industry <laughs> yeah although that whole other segment of industry wants my money if it's like a non-obtrusive easily you know bypassable ad i i'm equally annoyed by all these things and it doesn't you know what i mean like i can go and watch my youtube with that and, and you're right ron i mean to be fair stuff costs money i mean capitalist whatever yada aside it is google's business can't be surprised yep. so i do I like know. i do like the irony of this is where this is the people paying us money have chosen us to talk about google making money by showing it this is a real snake eating its own tail kind of thing yeah if you care if you don't like all the ads that are being put on the launcher Surprisingly, Android TV still lets you uninstall the stock launcher and replace it with a third-party one. <laughs> so you can totally liberate yourself from that True. and just have a row of apps yeah. that you want to launch. That's what I do on my Shield TV. Yeah. It's, there are no ads or anything. It's just a row of apps that I launch. Right. Free yourself so from you the chicken wraps. Go ahead. There's a pro tip. There you go. Pro tip from Michelle right there. You don't need to be on Twitter for it. You just tune into the show. Um, yeah. And I mean, on the on the flip side, we have people watching our live feed right now that are willing to throw us $5, yeah. 5.99 euros. Two dollars, and they aren't getting a chicken wrap at the end of it. True, good point. Well, keep in point though, Jason, that no one act watching the Carl's Jr. ad got a chicken wrap at the end of it. No. They were just alerted to the yeah. fact. I that don't know. I think after that ad was done, two for six dollars, a certain percentage. And by the way, got a got a chicken wrap. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, you're missing out the live experience because the chat room is talking about food, and Roy Rogers came up, and now I really want a fried chicken and biscuit. <laughs> I really from Roy want Rogers because right there's now. nothing like okay. stopping at Roy Rogers on the New Jersey Turnpike at a rest stop and getting fried chicken. <laughs> Yes, that was uh, yeah. yes, Ron. Every 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 road trip to 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 New York City from Maryland, the, there was like the a Molly Pitcher like rest stop. Yeah. In Jersey. Roy Rogers, and it's like the only only Roy Rogers yeah. left that we could get to. So it used to be there used to be one at Penn Station in the in the Amtrak section. So I used to when I'd take the train into the city, I'd go off to Amtrak, get some Roy Rogers, and go off to CBGBs or wherever I was going. That's long gone. So now and now it's just the New Jersey Turnpike. Anyway, um, well. Ads in Chromecast. I've yet to see one. I use the, the the my Google TV with Chromecast every day. My kids use it. I am seeing sponsor content, but it's media based. I haven't seen just blatant ads, so I'm going to be on the lookout for it and see. As long as it's not uninterruptible, I'm okay with it. The moment yeah. it becomes, I have to watch this ad to get to the content. F you, I'm out. You know, like right. Yeah, so yeah like, that is. I think yeah, a big, that's a bridge big too difference. far. So. Um, yeah. Before we move on, I just want to thank three of our patrons for helping bring uh, the support to the show. Uh, Joe Furness and David Formeski and Kirk Corliss. You guys are awesome. You guys have been supporting us from the beginning, way back during the summer. Um, thank you so much for your support, uh, Joe, David, and Kirk. Uh, without you and without all the other Patreon patrons on Patreon, uh, you make the show happen. So we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, cool. So with that, let's get to the main event, right, Jason? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, let's get into the main event. It is time. Uh, we are in the hardware block right now. And uh, before we get into any hardware news, we thought we'd give you a hardware interview. We're actually um, yesterday uh, had a chance to chat with Shi Hao Kung uh, from Asus about the ROG or the ROG. Rog. There, there's a few different ways in this interview where we could have, you know, said the company name wrong, said the phone name wrong. I think we got it right for the most part, but I just got it wrong. The ROG eight phone and uh, about gaming phones in general. So we're going to go ahead and play a piece of this interview for you right now. Here you go. All right, we are super excited to talk about a phone uh, with someone who knows a lot about the phone that has come up uh, very frequently on uh, the past episodes of Android Faithful. We have with us Shi Hao Kung, who is the Global Technical PR and EMEA Territory Marketing Manager for Smartphones at ASUS. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, and probably a pretty exciting time right now with the uh, with the release of the ROG Phone 8. And we're excited to kind of dive into this with you. I think primarily just right off the top, you know, I think that the story from the outside appears to be, because we followed, I mean, you know, with Android Faithful and then with All About Android prior to it, we've followed the kind of journey of the ROG phone over the years and the, and this idea, this like emerging idea of like a phone that is specifically tied to being a high performance, a device for gaming. And ROG phone has always been right at the top of that, um, that wave. And with the eight, seems like the story is changing. Not that it's not a good gaming phone. It's still a great gaming phone. It seems like, but it's also becoming more of uh, more of like a mainstream offering. And so I guess I'm curious to start off with, tell us a little bit about the story of this device, why, why the story is a little different this time around. Right. I think, well, this year we, we launched the ROG Phone 8, right? So it's, um, it's our seventh phone. We skipped over the number four uh, due to, uh, uh, how should I say, superstition in, in mm -hmm. the Chinese culture. <laughs> so this is our seventh device. And you could say that for the first six of them, they followed a, a very tight formula. Um, very similar. Of course, there are changes and additions. They've you know, evolved over time, but more or less following that same foundation uh, that we set uh, back you know, with the first ROG phone. And we're looking at this type of cadence, you know, every three years or two years, four years, uh, we, we tend to do some changes. This time, I would say, or I think a lot of uh, people out there see that we've made our biggest change, right? So what are some of the reasons? I think 
when we look at device categories, so not specifically smartphones, but if you look at categories within smartphones or uh, you know device, look at laptops uh, as a big device category, and then you have these subcategories within. With you know with smartphones, gaming, the notion of gaming smartphones really began back when we released ROG Phone One. Uh, I think we were. I think there was us and maybe one other brand at that time, and then more and more entrants. You know, in the first years, is uh, they are more exploratory. We try to define, of course, we define what a gaming smartphone is from our vision, obviously. And then the market will respond to that. And we iterate, we collectively, the industry tries to figure out what what features work really well and what features might uh, just be temporary in a sense. So that evolved and moves over time. Android uh, gaming, one could say that mobile gaming, that speed of demanding power is slows down a bit. I think we will see a increase again uh, with the you know advent of ray tracing, we might see you know a big leap in demand of p- performance. But I would say now we're kind of at the uh, tail end of pushing really powerful devices to run games. Right? I don't know if you remember back when PUBG came out, uh, PUBG Mobile, you know, running 60, uh, 30 FPS, forty five, and then you know up to ninety, and and most devices couldn't do that. And nowadays, uh, even the new games, you can run them quite okay uh, with, a, let's say, a regular top-tier phone. So, and, and over these years, we've also figured out what our users want. Because in the end, you, when we do ROG phone the way we have done, it can be extremely polarizing for, for some people. I mean, some people love it, and some people will say, this is not for me, right? And... and to kind of go extremely hardcore into a certain aspect is something that we've deliberately made. You know, uh, let's say foregoing certain everyday usability features to to drive that cutting edge performance first, hardcore performance first. In a way, it, I don't. I'm not familiar if you cover like laptops and follow the gaming development in that space uh, back when gaming laptops were new because I've been doing gaming laptops for for years as well you know the designs they were wild they were crazy I remember uh, maybe five six years back exactly (laughs) we we even put water cooling inside uh, you know a gaming laptop you had like the first uh, high refresh rate gaming laptops they were 3d displays that was actually the first time it wasn't used mm. for high refresh rate because that was not a thing. But to do 3D, we had to do uh, 60 plus 60. So they were actually 120 hertz displays. So, and then, yeah, exactly. And now you see this year at CES, we introduced the new ROG Zephyrus. We, of course, we've had our ROG Zephyrus line for quite some time, and that is more uh, muted, let's say, uh, more refined, looks more like a regular laptop but of course has all of that gaming power. So ROG 8 is following similar, where in the beginning we're exploring the category, we're doing a lot of crazy things, uh, pushing the boundaries. And then of course, as the market grows, as uh, people come in and they want more things from their devices, you know, we see this type of development. And I think it becomes maybe, uh, how should I say, I, I think the market or all of you 
might put a lot more weight into this change because we only have one phone per year, mm. right? So if we had like a, a big range, we might see a, a ROG phone that's very gamery, similar to the past. And then we had, uh, maybe we would have a, uh, a more uh, streamlined, discrete ROG 8, similar to our laptops where we have the Strix and the Zephyrus lines and the Flow and a lot of different designs. But with, right. with the ROG phones, we, we only have one device per year. So the contrast becomes bigger. Yeah, and and you're you're probably right. We might we may have I mean may have over analyzed it because when we first saw the eight, we're like, oh, they're taking more of a step towards the middle or more step towards the mainstream um, from a visual standpoint, which I saw as a potentially good thing because you know, like someone like me, I'm not a hardcore gamer, but I like to play games every once in a while, and I want to I want to do it, and I don't necessarily know if I would go the full LED blitzed out experience. Um, sure. So like so maybe being in the middle is a, is a good spot. I don't know how do, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean I, it, it is of course uh, intentional that we designed the ROG Phone 8 and especially the 8 Pro within this type of look and we've gone for a a display or a panel that has a hole punch, right? Instead of having no no cutout and just bezel. Uh, we wanted to combine uh these different things that we're looking at, you know, in the past, the RG, if we look at RG Phone 7, it is very large. It's a large, large phone for many reasons. Uh, one of them, of course, being that we have bezels, we have front-facing speakers, so it, they are more uncomfortable to hold. They're more comfortable to hold maybe from a gaming perspective, but less so from a smartphone perspective. So it's always this battle between these two directions in a way, right? Because every year we've been quite clear that the ROG phone series, it is not a handheld console. It, it's not a game console. It is a smartphone. So we need to keep in mind these smartphone features. And if we put you know, the line in the middle, 50-50, in the past, I would say maybe we've gone 90% towards gaming. This year, we're probably not as much. Maybe we're 70% towards gaming, but we're still far away from the 50% line. Whereas the regular smartphones, they might be on the other end, 100%, 80%, 90%, or whatever that may be. So we're still in the realm of it, it's a gaming smartphone. So if there was any questions about that, you know, in, in our own minds, this is a gaming smartphone. And it really shows when you start using the device and looking at the, the things there that it, it is not a regular smartphone. So I kind of want to follow up on that that spectrum point that you brought up just now. Like the ROG Phone 8 has maybe a 70-30 split between gaming and regular smartphone or maybe even 60-40. It used to be in the past that regular flagship devices from other brands maybe had 100% of regular smartphone features and 0% gaming. But now you're kind of seeing a lot of regular devices have some gaming-centric features. Like they have gaming dashboards, gaming modes, performance modes, and all these tools that are available within the software. And also they have some hardware features, you know, vapor chambers and a lot of cooling systems built in. So I'm kind of wondering now, like, is this shift towards the ROG Phone 8 becoming, like, gaining features that would be appealing to those consumers? Is that more out of, like, trending towards the market demand? Or is that because of increased competition from regular smartphones? Because I'm seeing 
a lot of people, at least like some publications ask, is there a purpose in buying a gaming phone in 2024, considering that regular phones have kind of caught up in terms of performance and software features? Like, is there still a real need for gaming phones? What do you have to say to that? I think, uh, let's say my spontaneous answer or my initial answer to this or very candid answer is if you're asking the question if if a gaming smartphone is needed, then the, a gaming smartphone is not for you, right? Hmm. And you know that the the type of user that we we have looking for gaming smartphones or looking for the ROG phone series, they definitely you know this question doesn't come up. Like, do I need the ROG phone or maybe one of our competitors? Because if you if you think about it, we are a very small brand within the smartphone space. We're not you know one of the big ones for sure. So all of the users uh, coming to our devices, they're switching over from regular smartphones. So all of our users, 100% of them in the past have been using regular smartphones. Of course, we've lost users, surely, along the way. You know, Some people use one generation, maybe switch back to another brand and so on. But every year, we gain users, and most of them are coming from regular smartphone devices, let's say non-gaming smartphones, because that's what's out there. And we're not seeing any slowdowns in in uptake, uh, if I should say that. But of course, answering uh, your question, Michelle, it's it's more like the regular smartphones. The way I see it is the if, when we're looking at top tier performance or top tier mobile processors, the demand for thermal dissipation goes up every year within the past years. So I'm sure you're very well aware of this. If you look at the Snapdragon uh, series from Qualcomm, Snapdragon 8, you know, from the 845, 55, 65, and then you had the 888, uh, and then all the plus with Gen 1, which was so-so, and then you had Gen 2 and Gen 3. Actually, the maximum power that these processors require or can pull from the system, it goes up every year. Efficiency goes up, but the maximum power also goes up. So you will see a lot of uh, quote-unquote regular smartphones increasing cooling systems like vapor chambers and graphite sheets and you know all of these things that gaming smartphones started first. They're doing it out of a necessity, is my guess. They, they have to do it because the, the maximum performance that you are able to take from the processors requires that. But what you will also notice that the priority in performance will be very different from a regular smartphone with a flagship processor versus a gaming smartphone. So we're prioritizing different things. Whereas for ROG phone, we're prioritizing performance, performance over time, and the ability to control your performance. Whereas, uh, let's say a regular smartphone might prioritize uh, a, a consistent level of performance, but prioritizing, let's say, heat or uh, stability over time in that those have a sense, or even battery life. Uh, so they will be more aggressive in throttling the performance. They, they will be more aggressive in managing the thermals and these type of things, and they offer usually less control uh, for, for these type of things. Yeah, so I, I think definitely gaming smartphones still here. There is still a need for it. 
uh, or need. There is still a demand from users who want to have more control, more fine grain. Uh, for example, the RG phone, we put the CPU or the processor in the middle of the device, whereas uh, most brands put it near the top next to the camera. So when you play in uh, landscape mode, that's what most games are played at, uh, your fingers are the furthest away from the heat spot, which means we can drive the performance higher for longer and you won't feel as much discomfort. And of course, it allows for our cooler attachment uh, that can directly cool that area. So if you really play a lot on, on smartphones, you will notice that there is still a distinct difference between a regular smartphone and a ROG phone. Right on. Well, she, it's, it's been an, a pleasure talking with you about this phone, especially considering how much it, it, you know, every year, year after year, it bubbles up to the surface. And we have, you know, we have a lot of people who are fans of Android. And then of course, you know, as I'm sure you are aware, there is the microcosm, the smaller kind of group of really passionate Android gamers. And they're the ones that we hear about when we talk about the ROG phone. I am not like a, a super like devoted um, mobile gamer, but I respect that there are devices out there. This is like one of the things that I love about the Android ecosystem is that there yeah. are yeah. manufacturers, makers of devices and hardware like Asus who are creating hardware that might not appeal to everybody. It might not be perfect for everybody, but it certainly has its audience. And on Android, you can find that kind of specificity. And I just think that's really cool that you all are continuing to kind of double down and and uh, see how you can develop this this brand uh, even further. So Shi Hao Kung, it was a real pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to you today. Thank you so much for hopping on and telling us all about the ROG Phone 8. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. We'll have you back. Uh, we'll have you back again when the 9 comes out or whatever you decide to call it then. <laughs> Who the heck knows? Yeah. She how Kung, thank you again. All right. Bring everybody back on the stage and we can look at one final screenshot of our interview in the video version. Okay, we'll remove that now. Uh, cannot hear you, Ron. Sorry, I was muted while we were listening to the interview. My favorite thing about these sort of conversations uh, is that when we're able to go right to the source, because here we are looking at the ROG Phone 8, and we're like, oh, they're going for the mainstream, and they're not. <laughs> they're like, no, we're a gaming phone. Like it was, <laughs> they just they just went with a little more muted design this time around. But yeah. that yeah, like so, I appreciate having our conjecture debunked when we can. So <laughs> no, I, I so I was I was really sad because I didn't get to make. It. I got sick yesterday, you all. I'm so sad. I'm extra sad now. I couldn't make it. And I think the more that uh, Shihao was talking, that makes a lot of sense because I think traditionally the branding around gamer, you know, hardware has been very big and bold. Um, if you were in the chat with us, if you were listening, watching live, um, you know, I kind of mentioned like Alienware and kind of like these, you know, these big, bold statements about, hey, like gamers, we are here for you. And as much as I think as a gamer, I enjoy the aesthetic in theory, I don't necessarily want, you know, it, or want to pay the premium for something wild and crazy. I, I do, you know, want to, I don't know. I, I think from, I think, I think um, there's a difference between, just like with fashion, like the high fashion concept, conceptual thing, and then the thing you actually wear and take home, there's a bit of yeah. difference. So I think listening to she had the, it makes a lot of sense to kind of tone it down and, and like, you know, and, and a lot of things he said make a lot of sense. And I just also want to make the point that it's so interesting to hear him talk about performance. And there is a distinction between, you know, when Google talks to us, develop, Android developers about performance, it is a vastly, 
vastly different kind of performance than what you know Asus is 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 aiming for with their phones, and that's just a really great point to make. Yep. Um, and anyway. I will say, I, I will say on the on the look of the phone though. I mean, I've gone on the record for many years saying that I want a phone that does not look like everybody else's phone on the subway, mm-hmm. and the ROG phone always is that. And even this ROG phone eight, like I, I like the little cool thing, the little logo thing that lights up. Where, like, oh, like, it is sexy. Like those are cool. Like I, mm-hmm. I do think they're cool. I, I think previous versions have been a little out there, but I still think they're better than the the black you know candy bar phone design that we've been, that we've got so bored with so yeah yeah indeed well big thanks uh once again to asus and for shi hao kung for uh spending some time talking yeah. about the phone should also point out we mentioned it earlier but if you are a patron uh you get the full unedited interview yeah. we had that that was basically like half of the interview and so we've got more more uh, information to dive into with Shi Hao about the ROG Phone 8. So patreon.com slash Android Faithful. Yep. And big thanks to Michelle for making that connection. Making yes, indeed. Thank you, Michelle, for hooking us up. Thank you, Michelle. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome. Setting that up. All right. Um, now into the rest of our hardware, starting with you, Wynn. Yeah, so it's really funny because yesterday I booted up my uh, Z Fold Five, uh, Z Fold Five uh, for work, and I texted the, uh, I texted, uh, I think maybe I, one of you guys, I was like, oh, I kind of miss this phone. Yep. I might be looking at the Z Fold Six. Well, n- apart from you know when looking for the next Z Fold Six, something that we might be able to anticipate with this new generation of foldables from Samsung uh, is possibly cheaper uh, models. And this is kind of all speculative, but basically uh, from a report by the elect, which is the, which is like, a, um, you know, kind of a news source from uh, run by the Korea electronics industry media. Um, they're reporting that Samsung display uh, presumably the portion of Samsung that makes displays is attempting to try a different method to make the bezels of foldable OLED panels. Uh, and so it seems like for a long time, Samsung has been asking the display division to, you know, make, you know, the displays and the bezels themselves cheaper so that presumably if the cost of manufacturing is cheaper, the end price for users will be cheaper. Well, they're considering a very interesting technology uh, specifically for the device bezels. And that is, Inkjet printing, yes, Samsung display. <laughs> and I, uh, I actually want to explain because it's actually pretty cool. But um, yes, uh, Samsung display. <laughs> Sorry, I have inkjet. a visceral reaction anytime inkjet, I hear inkjet. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, uh, so, so the whole idea is basically lowering costs. So without going into too much detail, which I don't actually understand anyway, but the way that so these bezels are, you know, the bezels of these OLED panels are used to hide, you know, kind of like the guts of, you know, the the foldable panels, like the circuits and everything like that. So these pe- bezels are meant to kind of hide, you know, the internals. So what happens is when you have like the kind of the base raw panel that is like the display, those get wrapped in a thin film to protect them from like oxygen, water, and the elements. And then the bezels are, you know, um, kind of laid over on top of that to actually, you know, hide all the you know, kind of internals. And then over top of that, you get the glass laminated thing. So, you know, that actually ends up being the full screen. And of course, the infamous screen protector that some people rip off, which you're not supposed to later. So the bezels, you can kind of think of them almost like when you make cookies, and you have like a certain amount of dough, right? And like, kind of like the challenge is to get as much cookies out of one piece of dough as possible. Uh, And so it's kind of like that, like, basically, these, you know, there's different processing methods to make the film that they cut the bezels out of. And the current one is called 
is called something that it's called MDD and I forget what the what the the full you know uh, expanded acronym is, but you know it only allows for a certain amount of film and then they cut out the bezel and so there's a certain cost associated like per bezel right so what the inkjet printing and I don't know how I, I really don't know how the inkjet printing would work, but apparently if they use inkjet printing over the current manufacturing method they can actually like make get basically more bezels out of the, you know, either make, I don't, don't understand, but basically they get more bezels for the more bang for the buck, more bezels for the buck. More bang for the bezel. More bang for the bezel. I liked it. More bang for the bezel, (laughs) which means that, you know, for a certain amount of cost, they'll get more bezels out of it, which drives the manufacturing cost down, which ultimately could mean cheaper folds and flips for us. So anyway, it's really cool. You know, I I did it, it is inkjet printing. I don't know how it works, but yeah, this is all kind of a bit speculative. But it it has been that Sam's oh find uh, cheaper production uh, manufacturing methods to lower prices for us. We'll have to see how see how that shakes out, but because we don't know yet. But that is a report out of the Korea Electronics Industry Media. Um, I. I didn't know how bezels worked, and now I know that they're kind of like cut out, and you could we can print them now. You can you can print them with inkjet. Like, so is it kind of like the bezel protects the overscan or whatever, or or like, you know what I mean? I, I think I'm probably saying that wrong, but is the bezel just like a little bit of overlap of of the pixels underneath, or am I thinking about this wrong? When I think of inkjet, I think of like a layer on top of the display. Like, why yeah, would you I do that? actually yeah. remember when I was touring the Samsung factory, when, when they invited us to Korea for Galaxy Unpacked, I did see bezels being printed. Like, I didn't know yeah. that was inkjet printing, but uh, I saw I'm like, wait, that's how bezels are made? Okay. Yeah, the original acronym is something about, there's some kind of like drying process. So it probably is similar to printing where, you know, there's a liquid that is kind of, that that is like laid out or something to create the film. And then it has to dry. And I don't. So anyway, yeah, maybe so that I mean, I guess you can kind of think of like how inkjet, you know, like how printing works where you have a liquid and then eventually it does dry, become more solid. So something like that, I guess. Oh, that's okay. cool. I had no idea either. Yeah, it's really. Yeah. yeah and, and just hearing like the whole process. But yeah, um, I couldn't help but think of like trying to squeeze out that last Christmas cookie out of a last piece of dough. Mm. Um, but kind of basically kind of like that idea is just to get the most out of your raw materials. They should just um, make cookies out of. Bezel, bezels in the shape, cookies in the shape of bezels, not bezels in the shape of cookies. <laughs> Although I would yeah. gladly take a cookie phone, but uh, <laughs> we're talking about food so much. I, I am know, so I'm hungry. So, yeah, just so hungry. Oh, um, but if you are hungry for an entry level, uh, you know, foldable, even though Samsung kind of did protest quite a bit last year whether they would actually, you know, produce a more affordable, lower priced phone, they might have just been, I guess. I don't know, trying to keep a surprise for us because, you know, the code names for the new generation of foldables have leaked and there's a Q6 and B6, which, you know, presumably are the flip and the fold. And there's a third one. There's a Q6A. And we all know that, you know, obviously the Galaxy A series is, you know, the more mid-rangey lineup. So what do you think? Q6A could be a, f- a cheaper cheaper fold? Is the Q fold or the B f- is that is that what we've decided decided on? But anyway, um, just if we're looking at code names, it could be that Samsung is finally looking into adding a foldable to their A series. So I hmm. I don't know. People which is, which is the better way for Samsung to go if they were going to have an A series of their foldables to take the nine hundred ninety nine dollar device down and do the flip, 
or to take the really, really expensive one and give a lower cost version of it. You know what I mean? Like, which is the better approach? Like really making a a very affordable, flippable in general or foldable or make the fold. Because the foldable just seems so inaccessible right now, right? Except for us ding-dongs with too much money. Uh, I think if you you get to the point where you can boast the lowest the lowest cost foldable yeah. on the market from Samsung, that is a, that's a, as a marketer, that's a marketing message I would run with, you know? So yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. I think it also makes sense with, you know, kind of like with the other foldables that we've seen that are kind of inching the price down, like the magic V2, uh, I guess the one plus uh, the, the, the open is cheaper with, with, uh, with all the trade-ins and other discounts. Right. So I don't know, inching it down little by little kind of makes sense. Um, and yeah, so it, just the last thing, um, something that we do kind of expect from the Flip si- Flip Six Z Flip Six, the upcoming, you know, clamshell foldable, will be a larger battery. Um, so the way flips work now is that they actually have two batteries, uh, one in each half, and uh, it looks like the Flip Six will have a significantly, you know, a big, a good bump in battery capacity. Um, could be looking at a total of four thousand milliamps, which is pretty dang good for as svelte or in small and and classable as those as those uh, clamshells are. So there are your there your flipping there's your flipping flipping and folding leaky peakies for now. Uh, cheaper. Cheaper and more chargey, more charge, more chargey, more chargey, more chargey. For sure, I'm so hungry. I can just think about. Uh, I hate. I have to admit, I am too. Yeah. Um, now you're making. Now you're both making me hungry. I just gotta. I obviously did not do a good enough job of eating before this no, show. Did not. Uh, and we had to start with Carl's Jr. Uh, I don't even like Carl's Jr. <laughs> Dang that! Well, you ad, like the, you like those chicken tenders, man. You, I you, mean, you, I, I would eat it. If it, if it was delivered on a platter to yeah. me right now, I would eat it when I'm not talking, of course, <laughs> and not into the microphone. Um, but that's not going to be right now because I'm going to tell you about HMD, which uh, I think when I think of HMD, I think of Nokia. And apparently, I won't be thinking of Nokia for much longer oh. when I think of HMD. Um, because uh, if you remember, HMD actually bought Nokia, the brand, back in 2016 from Microsoft which bought the brand in 2013. So Nokia has been this like hot potato uh, and it's been pretty stable for a while with HMD. Um, but HMD has been hinting at their own hardware. And last year they actually said they had plans to release original HMD devices uh, and phones, they said, from all new partnerships. Now HMD is teasing its hardware portfolio. That's smartphones, tablets, and wireless earbuds. And rumors say this is all going to happen at Mobile World Congress, which is just a couple of weeks away, uh, February 26th through 29th. And what I couldn't tell out of this is, okay, so does that actually mean that they aren't going to do any more Nokia phones? Or does that mean that they're going to do some HMD and they're going to do some Nokia? Or maybe they continue to do Nokia as like a flippable thing or, flip, you know, the like the feature phone flip thing and not smartphones. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, doesn't it sound like they lost, they don't, they no longer have the exclusive licensing, right? Oh, that's right. I did see that. You're right. There's something about losing the licensing, but I, but I thought that they didn't lose it for another couple of years. So maybe they're ahead. Of maybe it, it's no longer but... exclusive to them. Maybe mm, like now hey, other if, companies can if, use. If it's not exclusive, okay. we should look into that. Maybe we can get our hold on the license for the show. <laughs> it could be uh, Nokia faithful. <laughs> oh, 
That's a merch opportunity. I recently bought a pin that's like a Nokia 3310 that has like the snake game on it. Yep. So, I mean, obviously I'm an idiot that bought it. So I'm sure not that y'all are idiots. I'm an idiot. I can but, imagine that um, the, the, the value on the Nokia brand is waning, right? Like, cause because of things like that, yeah. when you're talking about like a nostalgic pin from a phone 20 years ago, mm-hmm. what yeah. is that doing yeah. in the, in the world today? Right. So, yeah. well, let me I mean, tell you. Waning, um, oh yeah. Sorry, Michelle. Even a waning Nokia brand though, it's still, far more powerful than HMD. than HMD as a brand. Just got to yeah. say. So like, I, I, this doesn't seem like good news for them. Yeah. yeah. If you think that we should buy the, the branding for Nokia, go head over to patreon.com slash Nokia faithful. And no, it, it doesn't that actually. URL exist. does not exist. Please don't. <laughs> no, don't. Now go. I got to set that up. No. I can't even do redirects on Patreon. Dang, dang it, Jason. <laughs> Someone's going to start a Nokia faithful podcast. And we will have given them a bump. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, <laughs> one last little rumor for us before we move on. Um, you know, we're in that time period where the anonymous sources are swirling, right? And the latest mm-hmm. ones uh, out there are telling, actually telling you, Michelle, and, and Android Authority, that a new Pixel Fold 2 is on the horizon. All right. So, the, uh, yeah. So, this nugget here is that the device might skip the Tensor G3 chipset and go right to the G4, as recent prototypes have been seen with. Could mean that the device um, uh, launches later as a result. This would likely shift it to an October release with the rest of Google's hardware portfolio at the fall event. Uh, and also could be Google's first device with 16 gig RAM. But who knows? These are all anonymous sources and speculation. So we're, we're, we're definitely putting this in the keep an eye on file and we'll see if uh, anything else comes, uh, comes to light on this topic. So, yeah, I would just take this report with a grain of salt. Like who knows who that author is? Yeah. You know, it could be, it's it, little nobody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this says, this is by Michelle Rahman. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know who that is. I, he's not reputable. That's that all we're saying. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I don't know who that yeah. is. Oh wait, I pushed the wrong button there. So, uh, but stay tuned on that. Uh, looks like some developments happening on the Pixel Fold. So, yep. Uh, all right. Something to get excited about. Well, speaking of Michelle, we should. Uh, yeah. We got a lot of a lot of app stuff to talk about here with QuickShare, don't we? Mm. <laughs> right. So, Google and Samsung announced back at CES, I think that they are rebranding nearby share to quick share and that they are merging the two uh, services together so that you can have them be interoperable with another. And that rebranding has started to roll out to Android devices that previously had nearby share. And um, it's kind of rolled out a bit widely now. Like I have it on most of my devices. A lot of people have told me they've gotten it on their devices and it's basically just a name change, a new icon, a new UI, and um, not really much new functionality, although there is one new thing which we'll talk about soon. But uh, check your Android devices. It should have already rolled out to you uh, by now. And I think starting today also, 9to5Google reported that the rebranded QuickShare is also rolling out on Windows too. So check your PC if you have that installed to see if that updated branding has appeared. Um, but I, I mentioned that there's not new functionality except for one thing. So last year, Google was experimenting with putting nearby share targets directly into your share sheet so that when you try to share a file, you don't have to tap nearby share and then the device you want to share to. You could just directly select the device you want to share to from the share sheet. And uh, they disabled that functionality like after it was rolled out for a couple of weeks and it never came back until now, until the... Um, rebranding with the QuickShare has rolled out. They've also brought this old functionality back. So now when you go to QuickShare file, if you look at the share sheet, you'll see your 
quick share devices appear directly there. Um, I don't think like random devices won't show up in the quick share list, but uh, your own devices that you have signed into with your Google account will appear in the share sheet when you invoke it. Nice. And uh, cool. like those are some of the changes that have rolled out recently with QuickShare. And actually, there was one more thing. There was a post from a QuickShare product manager, I think, on the Samsung Korea community forums saying that, um, I think, in Q3 later this year, that the Windows versions of Google's nearby share and Samsung QuickShare applications will be merged or integrated uh, they didn't really elaborate on exactly what they mean by integrated or merged. We'll probably find out, like, hopefully it means that it doesn't matter whether or not you have the Windows version of nearby share or the Windows version of Samsung's QuickShare installed. They'll both be interoperable and compatible with one another. Cool. Very nice. I, you know, I have not... <laughs> I just never... I never share files between my devices, so I haven't actually checked. I actually... Really? Just well, I rarely ever do. Yeah, I, don't, either, I don't know why. Either. I mean, I do, but I you know what I do. I'm so I'm so old school about it. Like it's I'm on my Mac desktop, and I'll use Slack to just upload a file, and then Slack on my phone to download it locally. Right? Um, <laughs> We've got our old hacks. Got our old it's hacks, really hard yeah. to undo our old yeah, hacks. Exactly. Because <laughs> I think I do the same thing, but I haven't shared a file like on my yeah. device that would you know benefit from this. I just assume um, this will never time. work. But I do on see a, Quick Share. I, I I'm looking on my uh, open. I assume this will, this won't work on an OS X desktop ever, right? Like this, like so. That what I was what I what I would like, yeah. but well, there's nothing technically blocking that. Like if Google were to port the nearby library, which is what nearby Share or Quick Share is now based on, right. over to Mac OS. And then release a quick share client for Mac OS that you could download, then theoretically you could share files. But right. I don't know if Google wants to invest in the engineering, you know, effort involved in that. Right. Or if they're mm -hmm. going to. I could just use Google Drive or Slack. That's what I do. Yep. So yep. All right. Um, cool. Uh, all right. Wait, we haven't talked about AI a lot in this episode. We haven't. No. Would you like to talk about AI? Yeah, let's do it then. Would you like some more AI in your maps? Um, <laughs> because gener generative AI is coming to maps. I think we kind of like talked about like the the initial kind of rumors or feelings or whispers about this feature, but it is coming. Uh, so yeah, generative AI coming to maps. And what this will basically do is allow maps to leverage all those, you know, delicious Google LLMs to allow you to search more easily for different things, whether that is a very specific thing or a very broad thing. So the, the example they've been giving is like, hey, you're out and about in SF and you want to go to places with a vintage vibe. That's very specific, right? But, you know, kind of with the power of LM and these models, you can ask Google Maps for that now. And not only that, not only can it kind of take, you know, this more you know, natural language, very like specific questions, but it's also kind of incorporating things that we've seen in the past where there's like a conversational dialogue where you can ask for, Hey, I want, you know, these vintage, this, this vintage vibe places, but then you can also follow up with like, okay, how about lunch? So there's like a lot of integrations of, you know, a lot of the Google's different AI, you know, IPs of like, you know, the generative AI with a conversational thing. And the whole point is to try to make, you know, searching easier in maps. And, you know, it also will take, you know, these results that, got, that it has provided for you, you know, using these more kind of natural language 
um, you know, interactions and being able to, as a lot of generative, generative AI is doing these days is to group them into health, helpful categories, um, you know, summarizing carousels, all the like kind of photo carousels and kind of picking out like, you know, representative, you know, images, all the things that, you know, we've been seeing as like the strong points of this generation of gener- generative AI are coming uh, into maps. So, yeah. And, and there's, I really like the use cases that, you know, and this is, this is all coming from a, uh, a, a post from Google. So of course it is marketing things to take with a grain of salt, but you know, they, they're really trying to emphasize, you know, the naturalness of doing this the conversational flow. And for another example they give is like, you're, if you're out and it starts to rain, you can, you know, try to leverage, you know, maps and AI to kind of quickly search for, Hey, how about activities for a rainy day? And then follow that up with, you know, if, you know, questions like, Hey, what about options for the kids? Um, so, and then you'll be able to kind of take these things and then of course, um, share them, uh, organize them for later. So there's a lot of, you know, this using AI to increase, the you know efficiency of searching for information and finding information as well as kind of you know being able to kind of parse that information into things that are useful to you as a human being um so this feature is specifically launching to local guides first the local guides is a program in google maps where the people that you know all these years have been the most active in reviews and posting photos you know and are very active become like you know local guides um, and they're just basically people that are known to be active on Google Maps and, and are participating. So basically, this feature is rolling out to them first. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Oh, apparently, we have some local guides in the chat, like uh, perfect attendance, Clinton Woodward is a local guide. So yeah, Clinton, if you or any other of our local local guide Android faithful happen to get this, let us know if you try it and work it. But I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. This is kind of like, anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm also a local guide. Um, you are. I'm not very active, own, but apparently, apparently, I've done enough to become one of those, and I got invited to something or whatever. So uh, I will keep an eye on it as well, along with Clinton. But yes, I'm a local guide. So, would you use? Would you use? Sure. Like, would you shirt for vintage vibes? Sure, I or? love vintage vibes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this though. Yeah. So. <laughs> now that you know you can use it like this, maybe yeah. you'll use it like this. So exclusive. <laughs> Yep. So uh, speaking of Google Maps and some drama going around it, we were talking recently about how um, assistant driving mode, uh, a lot of people have been, a lot of chatter in the Android ether has been about how assistant uh, Google assistant driving mode is going away, is dying off. Um, but Google actually clarified to 9to5Google that assistant driving mode isn't actually dying. Much like Google Assistant recently last month, it's just losing a lot of its key features. That's all. Um, so users will lose access to the app launcher within Maps. Uh, this is set to roll out on February 7th, which is actually tomorrow at the time of this recording. So on Wednesday, February 7th. Um, and so basically what is left is uh, media controls. So there you go. Okay. So, yeah, you know, the little media controls down yeah. at the bottom of your maps. It's just great. It's just severely <laughs> hamstrung at this point. Not I mean, dead. honestly, the media controls are pretty much all I used it for. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> good point. So, okay. <laughs> I guess that's good news. Yep. And it's kind of clear that Google is doing cleanup on a lot of these yeah. features oh, that yeah. were useful, but barely anyone uses. Like, they also got rid of a lot of assistant features, although I know a lot of people were kind of upset at some of the ones they removed. They also recently removed the nearby places feature in the Google phone app. Yep. So um, you can't like look up a business number just by typing it in the in the dialer app. You now have to go to Google search or Google Maps, which is 
but I'm assuming most people did, and which is what I've always done. Which no, that so, drives me like, crazy because I I did it the other way. I would just open up the phone and start <laughs> typing the name of the restaurant that I was ordering takeout from, and it would give me the number, and then it stopped yeah. doing that. I got very angry. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I love that feature. Yep, oh. I tried to do that. God, I tried to do that earlier today. It was so convenient. And, it was so uh, convenient. Oh, I was like, man, oh, I'm really yeah. now I have to that go is... over there and do the search. <laughs> Woe is me. No, but, but it's Michelle, like a thing you, that Google can do. Sorry. But you are right. It does seem like they are doing, I don't know if it's tech debt or house cleaning or laying groundwork for future things, but yeah, there is a lot going on uh, there in Mountain View and other offices that are making stuff happen. So um, very curious what the end game will be. So. All right. Yes, indeed. So that's going to wrap up this week's uh, news, hardware, and apps, right? Um, that's right. Yeah. It's feedback time. Oh, yeah. Feedback, baby. My favorite time. Contact at androidfaithful.com. Send us your emails. Like Howard. Howard was one person who sent us emails. And actually one, <laughs> not, not multiple, just one that I'm aware of. Howard Harris says, at first, I was very disappointed when the microphone on the front page search bar did not bring up the assistant. When I'm in my home and I want my phone to answer, that is how I always call up assistant. If I use the keyword, I will get three other devices answering before my phone. Don't I know it? Mm -hmm. Shortly thereafter, I remembered there was a gesture available to me. Swiping diagonally from either bottom corner will also bring it up. As long as it's been an activated, um, oh, it's been activated in the gestures setting. That works wonderfully, and everything is fine for me now. This guy is not falling anymore. Excellent, Howard. I like it's I a like good a reminder. natural response to something that we're all frustrated with, but then finding the solution and moving on. Like that is like yeah. right there. Those are stages of like not so much denial, but there was anger, frustration, and then acceptance. Howard got to acceptance, yes. which is great. So, right. <laughs> I know I just said I understand why Google's removing a lot of the other stuff for low usage, but that is one thing I actually don't understand why they removed because it's you're literally when you tap the voice icon on the search bar on the home screen, it's literally just invoking Google Assistant. Yep. And you can already invoke Google Assistant through various other gestures as, you know, the reader just pointed out. Like so why remove this? It's not like they're removing Google Assistant entirely, but like why remove this one specific shortcut? It's not like they're getting rid of any tech debt by doing that. Like I, I don't actually understand. Yep. Yeah. I. Um. So I, I can't get that gesture to work. I've been trying to get that gesture to work since we kind of first talked about them getting rid of it. So I don't know if someone has a video. Uh, I know I'm a dev, but I, I also have my days too where I just don't can't figure stuff out. Okay. But I kind of agree with you, Michelle. Like when that when the when that bar first came out and they first started, they stuck both lens and microphone in there. I know like a lot of my dev friends were like, "Wow, that is like." busy and gunked up and like crowded as heck. But at the same time, like I, I feel you like if they're removing tech debt and we're kind of cleaning things up, I, I just, there's still a bunch of stuff in there. Like, and maybe that's not really a technical thing, but more of a UI thing, but yeah, it doesn't, it just feels like more of a shifting and getting ready for Gemini-ified things rather than actually like, I don't know. It's just frustrating. They'll uh, place a Gemini button there yeah, before you know it. And here you uh, go. This is the open. Okay, I'm seeing. By the corner. Boop. But I can't. And then also from the other corner. Boop. How? I'm just I'm just bringing up. It's not app. enabled by default. You have to go to gesture settings to yeah. enable the swipe. Thank you. The oh. All right, but it was well. enabled by default for me. I did not enable that as far as I know. Maybe, maybe one of the cascade of setup questions i i activated all right it, but, well i'm gonna try yeah. to get it working while i listen to <laughs> <Sean Mendes. laughs> thank you howard 
for your email. Thank you, Howard. <laughs> All right, Michelle, you got the next, next one. This is from a patron. This is from a Patreon. We had a Patreon comment from Kev who said, um, I could pull it up quick. Thank you. As a Pixel 8 Pro owner, I wanted to comment on the thermometer sensor and app usage. Like many others, we bought a forehead thermometer during COVID and the results are erratic, likely due to both low quality and also inconsistent measure distance. This week, I've been somewhat ill and found using the Pixel 8 Pro body temperature easy, especially after repeated use to know how to position the phone on myself to monitor the low-grade fever I had. It is also nice to be able to save the temperature history to see when it rises and declines. My kids are grown, but this would have been much better to have than the in-armpit, under-the-tongue, or other places for parents to monitor a child's temperature when they were younger that we employed. Always Andrew Faithful, Kev. And I wanted to highlight this because I too, Kev, have been using the body te- the temperature yeah. body sensor on the Pixel 8 Pro. My daughter, unfortunately, uh, you know, came home from school last Friday, had a little bit of a fever, and I've been tracking her temperature all through you know the past five days, um, and have found it to be extremely more accurate than the nine other thermometers I've bought from Walgreens and CVS over the years that all give various different kind of results. Um, yes, it's a pain in the butt to like hold the phone directly in the kid's face while they're watching TV and like you're covering their eyes. Um, and also like the, the motion of like you hold it in front of the face and then you move the phone to the temple, um, on a five-year-old, that's a small distance. So I got to move really slowly to get a good reading. Um, but I have found it to be immensely accurate. I compared it to the thermometer at the pediatrician's office while I was there. I'm like, okay, you do it. Now I'm going to do it. I want to see what the temperature is. <laughs> and they were nearly identical. So, um, uh, I'm very happy with this temperature thing, by the way. I know, I, I know it's a, it's an odd thing for me to be f- f- waving the flag for, but I, I love it. I think it's great. So, <laughs> Will you be sad if the uh, nine doesn't have it? No, I don't know. If, uh, maybe I'm. I'm becoming. A, uh, a, a, yeah, I guess the more you use it. Yeah, the it, more I use it, I'll be sad if they remove assistant from it. Um, no, <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I like Kev, like keeping the, the, like it keeps track over seven days of the temperature, which is great. Yeah. I would, it is kind of annoying in that every time you do it, you have to set the age of the person you're doing it for. I would like to have some presets. Like I, I could see how this could grow to be much more useful. Um, but I'm all in on it. So hmm. it's very cool. Nice. Thank you, Kev. Thanks for your support and the Patreon too. We appreciate it. Yeah, and our last email from this week is from often feed often feedback writer Ian Hall, and I do I want to say he was like an email of the week recipient formerly, probably, probably probably yes. But Ian Hall is writing to us again to talk to give us a, yet another uh, app suggestion. Just wanted to let you know of an app I use multiple times a day, but have never heard anyone mention. Uh, but I've never heard anyone mention it. Firefox Focus, as the name suggests, is from the Firefox team, and also as expected, it's a browser. But it's a simple one, which you can open, search for something, browse the web, and close it, at which point all cookies, history, passwords, etc. are deleted. The added bonus is that it blocks trackers, etc. Super useful when you want to search for something and then don't want Google to get all excited and push articles about it to you forevermore. For example, if I'm looking for hotels, etc. in a town I plan to visit, I don't need new stories from that town in my Google Discover feed for the next two weeks. Amen. Uh, I find the app really useful, and I'm sure others will too. Love the show. Ian Hall. Wantage. Wantage? Wantage UK. Um, And yeah. Firefox Firefox Focus, the no-fuss browser. I will 
plus plus one this uh, recommendation. I have Firefox Focus installed on my phone, and it is I use this in lieu of incognito mode on Chrome. Like that's yeah yeah so. Although although it's not enough to make it my default browser. I don't know why, but mm. there it is. <laughs> Firefox Focus. Love it. Great yeah. suggestion, Ian. Thank you. Right on. Good stuff. Uh, oh, and there we go. We have reached the end. Yay. Woo. Who's, do, who's doing the outro? Is that me? I can't even remember at this point. Uh, there, there is no name on the dock, so throw the ball oh up in the air goodness. and see who catches right. it, Jason. Why don't you go? Fine. You know, it's fine. I, I can take the outro. Uh, we appreciate all of you so very much for your support and for hanging with us and, um, you know, supporting us on Patreon, downloading the podcast, telling your friends. It all helps. So thank you so much to everyone who watches and listens to this show, Android Faithful, each and every week. Also, big thanks to our guest earlier. Uh, just one more time, really want to thank Shi Hao Kung from Asus for spending some time with us talking about uh, gaming phones and everything that they have going on at Asus. Um, Michelle, why don't we start with you? What do you want to let people know about? You can follow me on Twix, Mastodon, Threads, Reddit, everywhere at Michelle Rahman, and uh, also support my work at Patreon.com/slash Michelle Rahman. And if you'd like to support me, now would be a great time because we are on the cusp of Android 15, um, and I'll be really, really busy diving into all the developer previews and the betas that are coming. And that takes a lot of work. So if you want to see what Google is cooking up for the next release of Android, please follow me and/or support my work. There you go. Patreon.com slash Michelle Rahman. Thank you, Michelle, for three quarters of today's rundown. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> even the interview. You even set up the interview, dude. <laughs> busy week. <laughs> yes, very busy. Win. what about you? Yeah, I'm an Android dev. I sometimes speak about Android developer things. And you can find my talks, associated video and code at my website, randomlytyping.com. And if you see a queen code monkey out on the interweb, it's probably me. I'm most active on Instagram. But yeah, give me a follow. And that's it. Yay. Randomlytyping.com. Thank you, Wynn. And Ron, what do you want to leave people with? You can just follow me at RonXO across all the different social media stuff and just keep doing what you're doing. Write in those emails to us. Uh, go go support on Patreon. Post on social. Uh, if you have a friend who's into Android, tell them about the show. Uh, pass along the link. Uh, you know, Definitely, we want to grow that audience, and you guys are our best evangelists. So please, uh, if yes, you're going to spread the word about anything, spread the word about Android Faithful and tell your friends. So. Thank you. Tell your friends. Yep. And thank you so very much, everybody. Um, as for me, just go to yellowgoldstudios.com. Sure. That's where that'll take you actually to the uh the YouTube channel um that I'm working on uh right now. But right now you can find episodes of AI Inside there. That's my podcast about artificial intelligence with Jeff Jarvis, or go to AIinside.show and that'll take you to all the episodes that we have so far. And uh we have more planned. Loving the so show, Jason. Do you you and Jeff are doing great. Thanks. Keep it up. Having, having a good time. Yeah. Trying to trying to fill out the booking. You know how challenging booking an interview show can be. And so I'm trying I to do. like get ahead. So that's taking some some work. But we'll get there. Yep. You know, it's the beginning stages. 
we get there. Um, as for this show, we already got there. That's right, because we're here in your ears and you're listening to it right now. AndroidFaithful.com, you've already subscribed, right? And if you haven't, you should. Uh, maybe you've supported us on Patreon, right? And if you haven't, why not? Patreon.com slash Android Faithful. Follow us on all the socials. Just look for Android Faithful or Android Faithful Podcast. You will probably find us. And then, of course, you can always contact us. Contact at AndroidFaithful.com to be part of the show in our feedback section and tell us what you think. If you got some suggestions, all that stuff, let us know. Thank you so much for being a part of Android with us each and every week. We love you, and we'll see you next Tuesday on Android Faithful. Thank you.